Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, and it is Thanksgiving week. My son is off from school all week. I'm still doing some work from home, but I get to have three days off, and I am super looking forward to it. It's just been a whirlwind of the last couple of weeks, just heading into the holidays, so I am so looking forward to this break. I'm super excited to share this week's episode with you all, and I grappled with deciding which episode to release this week because it was Thanksgiving, and I decided to release this week's episode with Dr. Siri Chand Kasla. I'm super excited to share this episode with you, and I wanted to do something a little bit different just to give you all an opportunity to really listen to the episode and digest it. So instead of just releasing the one episode in one sitting, I wanted to split it up into two episodes just to give you a little bit of time to just, you know, enjoy the episode and enjoy your time off. Hopefully you are having some time off. And the reason why I picked this episode to release for this Thanksgiving week is just because I've been following along with her journey pretty much even before I recorded with her. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I did meet her pretty much virtually without her knowing that I met her through the University of Arizona Integrative Medicine Fellowship Program, watched some of her videos. And during our residency weeks, I was so honored to be able to taste her delicious food. I think one of the most delicious dishes that we got to try, and there are so many, one of the most delicious ones was, I think, some sort of beet hummus or something like that. It was delicious. And so I've been following her pretty much since then and was so honored to be able to interview her on this podcast. And I wanted to share with you all of the places that you can find her. But before then, I do want to tell you a little bit more in detail about her. And um, she is a, um, she has had a lifelong interest in mindful living as the basis for long-term vitality. She completed a residency in internal medicine at the Mayo Clinic in 2005. She is board certified in integrative medicine, internal medicine, and hospice medicine. Dr. Kalsa has deepened her studies on health and healing by becoming a Kundalini yoga instructor, a Reiki master, and participating in a two-year full-time program on Ayurveda at the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque and India. Through these other educational pathways, she has spent many years observing herself and patients in a different light from what was offered in her initial medical training. 
serving as both an integrative medicine primary care doctor and consultant to other medical practices, she has dedicated time and energy to promoting an increased understanding of the link between long-term health and the daily choices that we make. She is currently focusing her energy on supporting people to make the shift to intuitively living healthy through hands-on experiences based out of Phoenix, Arizona. There are so many ways you can find her. One of my most favorite ways that you can you can find her is she takes beautiful photos of her food and those are available on Instagram and her Instagram account is Luminous Foods. Also her Facebook is the same and you can find her videos on YouTube at Siri Chand Khalsa MD. She recently started a Facebook group called Creating Your Plant-Based Kitchen with Dr. Siri Chand, and I absolutely love her Facebook Live videos. You definitely have to check it out. She also, for Thanksgiving, created a workshop called Thanks Living, which I think is so wonderful, and I'm sure she will be making um, more workshops in the future, so you definitely need to go check it out. At the very least, go and look at some of her pictures. They are wonderful and her cooking videos are great. I I will have to say I did her or I cooked one of her recipes for a vegan mac and cheese and it was really good and I absolutely love all of her recipes. They're definitely fun to try and they're easy as well. And so I want to share with you her episode, which is entitled Unbridled Conviction. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving week and I hope you all stay safe. Don't eat too much, but enjoy your time with your family. Take care. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Ding with the Wishful Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Siri Chand Khalsa. Um, she is a physician out in Phoenix, Arizona. So a little funny story about she and I. I actually was doing my integrative medicine fellowship program, my residency weeks in um, Tucson, and uh, she came as a lecturer. And I've also seen her on video because we have our online, we had our online uh, lecture series and, and I saw her beautiful face online. And I uh, was so excited to have her on the podcast today to share her personal health and wellness journey. Um, and real quick, she is, she has so many um, things going on. Uh, she is a board certified internal medicine physician, integrative medicine physician, hospice medicine and physician. Um, she's also a Kundalini yoga instructor um, and a lot of other stuff going on in the works for her. And I definitely want to give her the opportunity to share. So welcome, Siri Chand. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Michelle, for inviting me to come on. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, and we will just jump right in. Um, and you shared with me a little bit beforehand your phrase for your own personal health and wellness journey. And do you mind sharing it with us, sharing um, it with our audience today? Sure. So I think that the sort of my underlying theme has just been this unbridled conviction to follow that inner voice or inner truth. 
and boy, it's taken me into some strange places, but I wouldn't trade the journey for anything at this point. Awesome. And I would love, and I know uh, we all would love to hear a little bit more about this personal journey. So why don't you just start from the beginning or wherever you want to start? Okay. So I, um, I would, so back in my mother's womb, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> From the very, very, very beginning. <laughs> in the very beginning. But, you know, as a small tangent, <clears throat> just to segue on that, I do think that some of our stories and our narratives that we tell ourselves come even from our birth story, like whether it was a traumatic birth or an easy birth, how we were welcomed, because so much of what I think, when I think about my journey is um, this underlying theme of both a patient and doctor. So there is this notion in some of the, um, in some of the healing work of a wounded healer, like someone that had to go through quite a bit for their own healing, that they were then able to be a healer. And um, it's not that I would claim that, but I've had a lot of sort of odd health issues along the way. And for example, when I was 12, and at that point I wasn't really interested in medicine, but I was in a really severe bike accident where the bike tumbled over a blip on the road and I kind of just broke the right side of my body. I broke my arm, oh, wow. my, my jaw, my foot, I was in a cast, my mouth was wired shut. And this was at a really interesting time when a lot of um, young women are turning away from science. And I, I, I kind of wanted to turn away from science because it wasn't cool to be smart. And then this, and I was really getting pretty good at being like, I don't want to be smart. I'm not going to, you know, be dedicated to academics. And then I had this horrible bike accident. And the kids that I was trying to be friends with at that point were like, oh, you're weird. And oh, they said the most awful things to me because I, I just looked different with these casts and all these scars on my body from the bike accident. And um, it made me double down on my geekdom. I mean, let me tell you, I was like, all right, people, it's on. <laughs> you know, like, so you turned that into a positive. I turned it into a positive. And so mm -hmm. I actually ended up going to a magnet school for math and science. And so I would say that you know, I've been, I've been in this dance between artists and scientists, you know, this right brain, left brain kind of journey for so much of my life. And um, when I finished high school, I went to undergraduate at UVA. And you could say, <clears throat> when I was there, I sort of had my first real interaction with the healthcare system, even though I was pre-med, I didn't come from a medical family. And I got um, like a really severe digestive disorder. And, you know, in hindsight, it was probably some sort of microbiome, SIBO kind of picture. But I, nobody knew that at the time. And they basically just wanted to give me pharmacologic um, antidepressants because they figured, well, this is a somatic issue, meaning my mind was creating these physiologic changes in my body. And I was really just more dealing with depression. And I, I at that time, was like... I had a little sass in me. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you knew there was something more going on. I knew there was something more going on. And that was really this pivot point for me. So it's almost 30 years now that I've been sort of asking that deeper question. And of course, I was pre-med. I'd sort of been um, interested in healing and medicine from very young age, probably after the bike accident, because I 
had a lot of interface with the healthcare system at that time. And I did my undergraduate and then I thought, I'm gonna take a little break. Maybe I'm interested in being a naturopath or an acupuncturist. So, you know, even back in the early 90s, this was still something a little bit novel. So I went and investigated programs and I lived in San Francisco and I went up to Portland. And um, while I was going through that journey, I just sort of came to a realization that I'm really a little bit more of a scientist than I had given myself credit. Mm -hmm. And I really just wanted this like very rigorous scientific foundation for doing medicine. So I hopped in back into the medical pathway. I'd sort of taken a break from it and did my MCAT and ended up going to a smaller community-based medical school because I, I didn't really want to be at a super intensive academic institution. And then I did my internal medicine at Mayo Clinic, which again, it was this sort of back and forth. There's been these zigzags, very formal, very academic um, learning center. And when I finished that process, like most residents, I was the very burnout. And unfortunately for me, I always like to tell this story with a little grain of salt, my second year uh, was when the work hours changed. So I did all the things you did in the old days, my first year, and then picked up all the slack for all the first oh, years no. who had these new work hours. Mm -hmm. So I, I would that say- was I, had, time I was in residency too. So <laughs> I, I know the shift. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was brutal. Mm -hmm. I was, this was highly unfair. This was in the 2002, 2003 timeframe. So mm -hmm. I finished up residency and I, I realized like, okay, so I've got this really strong allopathic foundation and I always wanted to know, I knew these other systems were valid and important and I'd use them to keep myself afloat through residency and medical school, as you know, as you know it's a seven to eight year process. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'm going to leave the East Coast, all my education and everything had been there. So I moved out to Tucson, Arizona to be closer to uh, Andy Wiles uh, fellowship and the work that they were doing. And I thought, so how did you discover about um, Dr. Wild and, and the fellowship program? Was I, it something that you were just researching on the side? Yeah. yeah. So in the, in 1996, I went to a conference where he was speaking and I just had had my eye on him since then, basically. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was speaking about something that I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. That is congruent with things that I believed that weren't existing in the educational pathway in front of me. Now, unfortunately, there really wasn't any infrastructure for integrative medicine through my training process. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I believe they still had it, have it. I did a one month rotation in Tucson to learn more about it. So for those who are in medical school or in their residency, there's a one month, um, used to be, I don't know, things have all changed at this point, but, um, where you could go and do an immersion course and learn from a lot of the same instructors that were teaching in the fellowship and hands-on. And that was amazing. So that was my uh, third year of my residency. I did that. And then I said, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move to Arizona. It was sort of a, a road less traveled kind of decision because no one had offered me a job. There was no like <laughs> clear path ahead. I basically just said, I'm packing the car and I'm going to go to Tucson and I'm going to see what happens. And unfortunately at that point- And were there, was there any fear when you did that? Sorry to interrupt. No, there <laughs> really wasn't. And that's that part. So there, sometimes there's fear for me and sometimes there isn't. I do it either way. 
I will say that. If the voice and the intuition and that inner conviction is like, this is what you got to do, I'm always excited when there's not much fear around it. And when there's a lot of fear around it, I'm like, oh, wow, that means this is big. Energy's coming. Transformation has definitely come from this decision. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, it goes back to your phrase, which is unbridled conviction to follow that inner voice. And so it sounds like that's what happened when you packed your car and moved yep. to Arizona, to I Tucson. <laughs> pretty much, I was like, I've got to go where the people are, where mm-hmm. there's innovation happening. Because it really, you know, and we've seen so much change in the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's just so much more... people, everyone is really seeing, oh, there's value. There's value in lifestyle. There's value in botanicals. There's value in whole medical systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely this big transformation that I'm loving watching. And I really, to be honest, I truly credit um, Andy Wiles' work with that. I think he held a space of awareness of what was needed that, that facilitated many people to emerge into their more natural state. A lot of physicians, I think, had sort of turned down the dial on their empathic and intuitive nature. And we, you know, those of us that have been in practice a long time, we know there's no formula. We'd like to think, oh, high blood pressure, diabetes, these are the medications, or hot flashes, we do hormone replacement. But people actually end up being so much more complex than that. And that's, that's what kind of um, called out to me when I was looking into integrative medicine was that it's not saying that we're denying the medications and the appropriate treatment that may be necessary from a traditional standpoint, but it's incorporating these other, other um, you know, things that you can do in terms of mind-body techniques, nutrition supplements, and all that stuff that may also be helpful. Exactly. So, so tell me a little bit more about, so you moved, you packed your car, moved to Tucson, and then what happened from there? So I got to Tucson and um, Randy and, and um, uh, you know, the group there, they were like, we're delighted you're here. However, <laughs> there's no job for you. And uh, I don't know, you know, it was just sort of one of those weird moments where I thought, well, if you build it, they will come, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I think just their focus wasn't as much on developing out a clinical format. They were really more focused on education and getting the knowledge, letting those people then take that knowledge back into their academic institutions. And in doing so would allow for a much quicker dissemination of these ideas, which are sort of, you know, um, thoroughly needed. So I, I went to work for a free clinic, which was... Um, you know, one of the federally qualified centers, which was a 180 from Mayo. And, um, you know, you learn so much, you know, my career has really had these big zigzags. And um, working within that population, I realized, boy, there's, there's a lot that happens when you don't have access to resources. And there was, there's always been a part of me that's thought about a scalable mission, meaning, is there a way to make some of these ideas more accessible to more people? You know, and supplements are expensive, but food is something that we can really, uh, everyone can do, and you don't have to have a huge budget. So I sort of started to dive into the nutritional and food, and I started a food blog, and I started teaching in their fellowship on nutrition, and it just kind of came across very organically because it was 
a passion. You could say I almost was a chef. It was just that close. Oh, chef, doctor. And when I took a little time between undergrad and medical school, I was looking at other things like alternative healing, but also a career in food service or in something really innovative, like a, a smaller boutique style restaurant that really looked at food in a different way. And I have been mostly plant-based. I had a couple of years of what I like to call bacon and sausage in my, <laughs> in my 30s, but most mostly those times have passed. And at this point, the last 12 years, I haven't had any meat. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I feel for myself that that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Well, now but, they have culinary medicine, which yeah, is exactly. relatively new. So, I mean, it's super exciting, all the, the new programs and education out there for physicians um, outside of a traditional medicine. Exactly. And I think that we're really going to see the group visit model emerge as such a powerful health transformation tool because the culinary medicine model and some of the other um, coaching models, they really sit on this fulcrum of group transformation and reduce the redundancy of how information is presented. And, you know, we know that certainly in primary care that you are often saying the same things with very little effectiveness, meaning, wow, I said that for the 15th time today. And yet I don't have any patients coming back who've been able to um, make decisions favorable, you know, change behavior favorably for themselves based on our conversations. That's a big generalization because I also had some extremely motivated patients that did everything we talked about. But I began to understand that there's definitely a larger group for whom change was hard. And so, um, and that's, you know, I think that in my interest in food sort of began to blend this, these experiential, and maybe I, I was culinary medicine before we had a term for it, where Mm -hmm. you could have these educational experiences at the same time as you're getting a group experience and eating food, which I thought was like, win, win. (laughs) Who doesn't doesn't want to have treats? And so I started bringing food to my lectures. And and in large part- I remember this. It was very delicious. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a lot of fun to just sort of let the plants do some teaching and bring those nutrients into the conversation in a really different way other than just intellectually. Well, I think that's really important. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, I've been in your lectures before and, um, and they're wonderful lectures and we all got to taste them, which made it very exciting for all of us, even though, you know, we, it's not like, I mean, it's just a different experience, a different way to learn, which made it stick a lot more. And um, I think it's, it's great that you were able to have the opportunity as well to teach for the fellowship program. Yeah, I was, I think, and then through the years, I just was, um, I was just committed to making that as good of an experience as possible. So I was invited back to keep giving the lecture. And so um, in the fellowships gone through different leadership and evolutions and focus. So I've sort of had a number of different versions of the lecture that I've offered. And I just, I love doing it. It's really a lot of fun for me. And I love to put the food together and go to the farmer's market before the lecture and um, thinking about everybody receiving it and just being grateful for all the physicians that are putting focus and energy to yet one more learning arc in their career so that they, you know, in things that I think should, should really just be organically part of our training and our education, but they're just, they're not, at least not yet. And so I really, I just get so excited when I'm going to give that lecture for sure. 
Well, it's a great tool to add in our toolbox as well when it comes to teaching our patients about food. And I mean, personally, I found the fellowship so great for me um, as just a human being, not not for, just for my patients. Um, and it has really helped me a lot in my own personal life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.